Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the government is expected to announce new measures for travelers entering Canada. The latest I've heard is that it may not be a full two weeks quarantine in a hotel, but that they would impose a PCR test at the airport um, and then possibly three days in a hotel at the cost of travelers while they wait for their negative results. The opposition looks for clarification on how many vaccines are coming and when they'll get here. We know that this week and next week, uh, we will virtually have no uh, new doses arriving in Canada. And we know that that has major implications, particularly for those most at risk, including our long-term care residents. Reaction to more allegations surrounding Julie Payette's time as Governor General. I was shocked when I, when I read that. Uh, something that I did not expect. Uh, the harassment has been well, well documented or, or had been raised. And I, I'd seen complaints about that, and I, we had spoken about that with media, and questions had arisen, but I'd never spread anything about the physical uh, element of it. It's Friday, January 29th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by HuffPost Canada's Ottawa Bureau Chief and the host of the follow-up podcast, Althea Raj. Althea, thank you for being with us today. Good morning, Mark. So we are expecting news today about what the government is going to do at the border for people who are coming into the country, visitors, returning travelers who are coming home. Uh, There has been a lot of talk and speculation about what the government was considering, whether there would be a mandatory two-week quarantine in hotels, for example. What are you hearing about the direction the government might take today? Yeah, we've been here about about that for at least a week. Um, Both the Prime Minister and Minister Freeland have been suggesting that the government was uh, considering quarantines. Latest I've heard is that it may not be a full two weeks quarantine in a hotel, but that they would impose a PCR test at the airport um, and then possibly three days in a hotel at the cost of travelers while they wait for their negative results and then the rest of the quarantine, which they would still legally have to do um, in their home. One of the reasons the government is saying maybe not a full 14 days in a hotel is what they're uh, calling operational feasibility, the fact that there's 300,000 snowbirds um, coming back to the country and just, you know, where would we put them all? Um, And so that's that's one thing the government is focused on. It's also focused on um, ensuring that the land borders are tightly shut. Um, We know that a lot of Americans have tried to come uh, up to Canada for tourist reasons. Um, Some of them have been stopped, um, others not. So uh, the government also wants to move on that. One thing that had been considered or I guess had been used about publicly, was on banning some flights. And we saw Air Transat earlier this week uh, announce that they were going to cancel all their flights from Toronto. Um, at the time, the Prime Minister said, well, we know we really need to look at uh, what flights, because some flights carry cargo that's really valuable, either you know medicine or merchandise. Um, and so there could possibly be an announcement on that as well. All right. We'll watch for that. And I, I know there's been a lot of talk about the need to, to clamp down on this and, and uh, lots of comparisons to what other countries are doing. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what direction the government takes and, and how far they go in trying to control this aspect 
of the potential for the spread of the virus, especially with new strains out there. So exactly. we'll see yeah. uh, we'll see what happens. All right, let's turn to vaccines, because this week has been interesting. It's the first week back, of course, for Parliament. There have been a lot of questions and a lot of developments on various fronts about where the government is procuring vaccines, how many they're getting, how soon they will get them, and whether the timetable is still achievable. The government has said repeatedly that every Canadian who wants a vaccine will get one by September. So what are you hearing about how they're going to make that happen, especially given that there's been a slowdown recently in the number of vaccines coming to the country? Yeah, so I will say last week, the government sent out, um, actually, they had a background briefing of types, and then it was kind of more public about how the government is going to get to that promise that by the end of September, any Canadian who wants the vaccine would be able to get vaccinated. And in their little chart, based on the number of vaccines that have already been approved, so that's two, the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccine, there would Canada would receive 36 million doses um, of that vaccine just in Q3, so July to September. So adding the 13 million that we're supposed to get in Q2 and the 3 million we're supposed to get into Q1 and 200,000 we got in December, um, the government says we can fulfill our promise with just the vaccines that have been ordered uh, and approved. Um, and so using their numbers, you're like, okay, that makes sense. Um Using the number of vaccines that they are, they have considered uh, buying, they have an option to buy, and that might be approved, you're even looking at um, the possibility of having even almost like 100 million vaccines in this country. Actually, maybe a little bit more than 100 million vaccines, but about that number. Um, so those are, obviously we don't need that many, but uh, so the government is saying we have a plan trust us. Part of the problem, though, is that there's been hiccups along the road, as you know, with the the Pfizer plant in Belgium having to be expanded. um, There had to be a a stoppage, or there was a stoppage. I'm not sure if I should say there had to be, because I'm not sure what the other options were, um, in the vaccine delivery in Canada. So this week and next week, um, the provinces are getting zero vaccines. And that's made them pretty nervous, because they've had to put their plans that we're just ramping up on pause. Um, and I think some premiers are feeling the heat um, from constituents. Uh, they also, you know, in Ontario, for example, long-term care homes are incredibly vulnerable, continue to be, and the vaccine is really seen as our only way out of this mess. And then this week, uh, um, the government, in an effort to be transparent in the promises and to help them plan, they sent out a table showing how many Pfizer vaccines they were to expect by the end of March. Right. And that number was 3.5 million, a little over 3.5 million. But the promise that Pfizer had made was that, and the contract that they signed with the federal government, is 4 million um, doses of the vaccines. And so the provinces were concerned that there was this gap and where, why was the government uh, not being clear about where this gap shortfall was coming from, and I mean, it's a little bit complicated, but basically it comes down to how many doses per vials of the vaccine does the government of Canada and does Pfizer, do they agree on? Right. So at the moment, Canada says there are five doses of the vaccines in each vial, and Pfizer says, no, we think there are six, and we'd like you to approve that there are six. 
Some hmm. provinces say they don't always get six doses out of the vials because they're missing these specialized syringes that the government has ordered some extras of these syringes. Um, but the government, after, you know, the provinces say the federal government was not clear on this call. And I have to say, I listened to the media briefing yesterday and the federal government wasn't very clear. It took about 45 minutes before we got a straight answer. Basically, the government seems to suggest that whether or not uh, – even if Pfizer disagrees that there are five doses, there continues to be five doses, they would have to give Canada more doses to make up their contractual obligation because the contract was signed with five doses per vial. That okay. seems to be what the government is saying. It's a bit complicated. I think it just speaks to people's anxiety about the vaccine. Yeah, no question. All right, we'll see if that timetable is still achievable, uh, not just in March, but September. Uh, Let's turn to the situation at Rideau Hall. Uh, Of course, there's lots of speculation about who the next governor general will be, but we're learning more and more about what the allegations were against uh, Julie Payette and Mm -hmm. uh, other people uh, in charge at Rideau Hall. Um, And uh, and the Prime Minister's done an interview with the Toronto Star on this, and, and so there are new perspectives coming to light as well. Uh, what do you think that this entire episode reveals about workplace culture in the government uh, and about whistleblowing and about, uh, I guess, uh, power in, in some of these roles? Yeah, I think that's a really good question because, you know, reading this report and um, most of the allegations and the, the specific allegations of improper conduct are blacked out. Um, so we know in general terms that um, 26 of the 92 people interviewed talked about the, the workplaces being toxic or poisoned. 20 people said that they witnessed harassment. But one thing that comes out that's pretty interesting is that, you know, there was no formal complaint, no complaint that people were feeling harassed, that, you know, that speak to that toxic workplace culture. There was one person who participated in the quintet reviews of the third party review who wanted to put forward a formal complaint of harassment. But that one complaint of harassment has actually nothing to do with the review in question. We don't know what it has to do, but one um, from the, the language in the report, it doesn't have anything to do with the governor general, her secretary, um, or uh, what Quintet was reviewing, which is a workplace culture um, at Rideau Hall. So it, it was probably some, a, a specific incident with this one individual who decided to come forward in this context but had not decided to come forward um, previously. So under um, the Harper government, the, the federal government set out a special body that was to hear complaints from uh, public servants. And one of the things that I think has really emerged is that Many public servants do not want to use formal processes because they do not want their names to appear. They do not right. want their reputations to be affected. They fear retaliation. Um, and I think, you know, there's so many people who participated in this report, 92 people, more than Quintet expected, more than the Privy Council expected. And some people witnessed Oh, they say, they allege, because there is no finding of wrongdoing. This is not a, a report that, that actually yeah. says, yes, the governor general misbehaved. We don't, we don't have that. We just have allegations. But so many people had allegations and concerns, and nobody felt safe enough to come forward and actually launch a formal right. complaint, either through Rideau Hall or through the government's um, whistleblowing uh, service. 
And I think that that really speaks to a deeper problem within the, the public service, which is that people feel like they need to go to the media in order to have their identity protected, but to see change. Wow. That is an interesting uh, uh, perspective and, and uh, discovery from this process. Uh, and we'll continue to watch what happens there. Althea, thank you so much for joining us today. Have a great weekend. Thank you very much. You too, Mark. That's Althea Raj, HuffPost Canada's Ottawa Bureau Chief and the host of the Follow-Up Podcast. When it comes to protecting you and your family, nothing is off the table. We will not hesitate to take even tougher measures if and when they're needed. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In an editorial, the Toronto Star calls on the federal government to stop talking and act on travel restrictions. The Star writes, The biggest worry right now is the rocky rollout of vaccines. But the impact of cases coming in through our airports and over the land border with the United States isn't nothing. Clamping down on travel is something governments should have done long ago. The Prime Minister should follow through on his promise to bring in tougher rules on international travel. He's been telling Canadians for days now not to travel for non-essential reasons and to cancel any plans they have And now is the time to act. In the National Post, Kelly McParland argues the government should postpone reinventing Canada and fix the dismal COVID-19 response. McParland writes, We have yet to make long-term care homes safe and secure. Healthcare workers are overwhelmed. Our approach to research, investment, delivery, supplies, human resources and management across the health system is in desperate need of improvement. Yet Ottawa is still talking about greening the economy, making the rich pay their fair share, and arguing about who can cross whose borders. Maybe just get this one thing right and save the revolution for later. Canadians won't discourage the effort. In the Globe and Mail, Tanya Talaga argues an Indigenous Governor-General wouldn't mean reconciliation. Talaga writes... There have been calls to appoint an Indigenous Governor-General to act as the Queen's representative. That person would be the stand-in for Canada's head of state carrying out the Queen's parliamentary duties. It would be a shocking ask of any Indigenous person, considering that the monarchy has spent centuries looking the other way while crimes of colonialism were being committed. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister will hold a news conference on the COVID-19 situation, followed by a virtual meeting with two housing organizations in Sherbrooke and Chateau-Gay, Quebec, to speak about the Rapid Housing Initiative. He will also make a virtual visit to a restaurant in Vancouver, along with Defence Minister Harjit Sajjan. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will take part in virtual roundtables with the Fédération des Chambres de Commerce du Québec and the Business Council of Alberta as part of the government's pre-budget consultations. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will join the chief executive officer of the National Council of Canadian Muslims to mark the fourth anniversary of the Quebec mosque shooting. And Green Party leader Annamie Paul will host a post-secondary student town hall that will include leading Canadian post-secondary student representatives. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, January the 29th. Tune in to Primetime Politics Weekend on CPAC for coverage of all the week's events. Our podcast returns on Monday morning. Have a great weekend.